Thank you all for tuning in to our Super Bowl 54 special edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington last week. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on winning the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. So, of course, this week in episode 26, we've got to get into all the action from Sunday. We've got managing editor from the Athletic Bay Area, Jimmy Durkin, on the show as we talk about everything from the pregame, halftime show, all the action, what went right, what went wrong, things that we can see in the future for the 49ers and the Chiefs as we break down everything from Sunday. Then we have Elise LaHue, GM for Sky Blue FC, talking about the growth of the NWSL, all the changes that we can expect for the upcoming season for Sky Blue, and much more as we talk about women's sports, women's soccer, and the growth of the game. In our Positive Vibes Only segment this week, we've got Speedo Mick from London, the mental health and addiction survivor, talks about his journey overcoming mental health and addiction issues, as well as what he's doing to help others do the same. He is all around London and the world doing charitable walks, swims, and much more. And that's all in this week's edition of our Positive Vibes Only segment. So closing out the show, we have Christopher Malloy from New Jersey, a.k.a. C. Malloy, a.k.a. Mr. Captain Hooks. The Jersey native, like myself, is bringing some incredible music to close down the show. Grew up singing in the church as young at the age of five. And ever since then, he has hit the ground running in his music career. So I hope you guys are excited for this week's edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington as we get the month of February started, our Black History Month. I'm looking forward to it. And I am ready. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington right here on Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. It's time to go beyond the headlines Cause I don't put in overtime just so I can headline Okay, now it's Fox Sports, I'm live with Renee Going hard every day, sports rapping every play Different segments for your favorites Coming at you daily with positive vibes Yeah, we some game changers Basketball, football, soccer With different interviews, you never know who may pop up Listen, <laughs> only on beyond the headlines This is beyond the headlines <laughs> Only on beyond the headlines This is beyond the headlines <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines. This is Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. You tuned into our special Super Bowl edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington last week, and the champs were crowned. For the first time in 50 years, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. So talking about all that led up to the 31-20 win, we have Jimmy Durkin, the managing editor at The Athletic, Bay Area. So, Jimmy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Renee. I'm happy to have you here. So, what a game. Honestly, it definitely lived up to the expectation that I had. I knew it was going to, I thought at least 10 points at the most, which is, you know, what we had, and that it would be less than than that. Nothing like what we see in the, the last year, with the snooze fest of the yeah. Patriots-Rams Super Bowl. Um, didn't think it'd live up to the excitement of the Eagles Super Bowl as a Philly fan because I nothing can unless it's the Eagles winning. But your initial takeaway from the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl and um, their Super Bowl championship win over the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the game we all expected. You know, the 49ers defense uh, for three quarters looked uh, every bit like what you thought they could be. I mean, they were they were shutting down. They were they were making Patrick Mahomes look human, which 
nobody has really done since he's become a starter in this league. And mm-hmm. then the fourth quarter was Patrick Mahomes being the guy we've seen, the guy who can lead touchdown drives in a blur, can uh, third and 15, can just drop back and, and heave a ball to Tyreek Hill. And um, so, I mean, yeah, Ooh, this is kind of everything we, we expected. I think we got to see, you know, the, the 49ers defense dominate for a while, but uh, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he is, he is just such a special player. He's shown it really from the moment the Chiefs gave him the opportunity to be a starter. And uh, I mean, I, I honestly think he, he probably should be a two-time Super Bowl champion by now. Uh, you know, if you look back to last year, I mean, it, it take away the D Ford offsides call late in that game. And hmm. uh, they, they, they beat the Patriots and they probably go on to win the Super Bowl. So um, uh, really a pretty special start to the career for Patrick Mahomes. I think uh, this probably will not be his last title. And, uh, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta appreciate Andy Reid being able to get his first one after all these years. Yes, finally, the the pressure is off. He was the winningest coach that has never won a Super Bowl. And for Andy Reid, I know as an Eagles fan, I've talked about him a, a lot lately because that's partly why I was rooting for the Chiefs. I wanted him to finally get his Super Bowl. He is a tremendous coach. He deserved it. And for everyone um, on the Chiefs, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, who's had a spectacular season coming back from injury, where a lot of people counted him out, and here he is a Super Bowl champ, to just the fact that the Chiefs are a team that, as we know, hasn't been here in 50 years. And they're back, they won, and it was definitely, as you mentioned, almost a tale of two games where the first three quarters, the 49ers looked like they were going to walk away with it. But something you mentioned, defense. And that's ironically that we're, we're saying the defense was, was, such a, was a game changer because the Kansas City Chiefs coming into this season, defense was their Achilles heel. That was something that they had to adjust. They had the, the strong offense led by Patrick Mahomes. They had the coaching in place. But defense was always a question mark. And we saw them down the stretch make two huge plays at the end of the game to clinch the win. And now they're champions. You know, talk, talk to, to us about their ability to stop the 49ers offense, which their run game has been strong all season. And we'll get into their um, some decisions that we saw on the offensive side for the 49ers. But the Kansas City Chiefs defense showed that they are here and they're not to be taken lightly. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, when you have a guy like Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and the, the, all the, the talent on offense and the coaching that you combine that all, they've always just needed to have a competent defense. And Absolutely. that's what they that's what they finally had this year. Yeah, Steve Spagnola came in as defensive coordinator. And, um, you know, you have a guy like Chris Jones um, who came into the, the postseason, you know, banged up. He got healthy in time, and, and he was obviously a huge difference maker. There was a, that one the third down pass to George Kittle that he bats down. He batted down, I think, three passes in the fourth quarter. Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, obviously such a versatile weapon in that secondary can do so much that uh, it, this this defense was underrated, maligned for all, you know, especially last year when they were, I think, you know, 31st, 32nd uh, defensively. Um, and the, the second half of, of this season, they got pretty good and they came in, uh, you know, obviously the first two playoff games, they allowed, uh, allowed the Chiefs to get into some big deficits, but um, they, they can make some plays when they need to. And when you're that good and that explosive offensively, that's all you need. And um, I mean, I really thought Chris Jones uh, just kind of terrorizing the middle of the 49ers offensive line, which is a weakness for the Niners. Um, that, that was such a huge difference in this game because once he was able to bring that pressure up the middle and, and knock down some passes and just really kind of make things tough on the Niners, uh, that helped change the tone of the game. Yeah, yeah, that's, ooh, 
at he that's a thing this was and this is what made this year so spectacular not that this has been any different from the past but it's two teams that we haven't seen here you know of course the 49ers have been here more recently in their loss to the Ravens but you know it's not the usual suspects and it's guys that are playing in their first Super Bowl you know we had a number of rookies with the 49ers that we can, we'll get into a little later that that stepped up and don't even look like rookies uh, by any means. I mean, I don't know how the, my Eagles missed out on all of them, but okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they're just, what makes it so fun to watch is when you see those moments that you mentioned with Jones, where players are stepping up to make special plays that are game changing plays. And for the 49ers offense, which we know they've had, I mean, they got the Super Bowl for a reason. Their offense has been unstoppable at times. But do you think they rely too heavily on the run game and that they, they kind of, um, I don't want to say took, took the Chiefs defense lightly, but maybe stuck to that, the, the run game a little too much? I know it seemed like there were times that they could have switched it up, maybe whether with a long pass down the field, just something different. But yeah. I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's been a weird postseason where they've they've been so good running the ball that you know they've kind of used that. It's like, hey, we don't need to pass the ball because we're so good. But I mean, at some point, you, you kind of figured it. There, there might be some point in this run in this run here where you're going to need the the passing game to take over for you. And um, it had been a while since since they had done that, and uh, they hadn't. I mean, Garoppolo only throwing eight passes in the NFC Championship game was obviously such a big storyline. And you know he was he was good early on this game. I think going into the fourth quarter, he was 17 of 20 at that one horrible interception, which is kind of a thing that Garoppolo tends to do. He tends to have one really bad pass per game. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the fact that um, you know they they had it made Garoppolo go out there and, and really make a ton of plays lately. And, and I look back at at the end of that first half, and I, I kind of got what Shanahan was doing there when he didn't call timeouts and to, mm-hmm. to allow the 49ers to get to tr- try to go for a two minute drill. But to me, I just wonder what, what kind of message does that send to your offense, to your quarterback? That I mean, there are very few teams out there that if they get the ball back with a minute 45 to go, don't view that as an opportunity to take advantage and let's go at least try to get a field goal before halftime. We know we get the ball to start the second half. This is a great opportunity to really help take control of this game. But when they uh, but when they just you know, kind of sat on the ball, didn't call the timeout, let 40 seconds run off before the punt, and then they – and I was okay with that because I got the fact that they didn't want to give Mahomes too much time if in case they went three and out. But I thought after their first running play, they probably should have called a timeout then because at least at that point you're under a minute to go. You're not – you're not probably going to give Mahomes a ton of time left, but uh, it just it kind of spoke to their confidence level in, in Garoppolo that um, they didn't trust him to go out there and not turn the ball over. They, you know, they they saw the bad interception he had made earlier, and I think they were they played a little bit too scared there at the end of the first half. Yeah, and you know what? It's I love that you bring up that play at the end of the first half because honestly, when that play happened, and I know they lost by eleven, they didn't lose by seven, but still, that's a game changer. And you talk about the fact that they didn't even give their offense a chance. That could be momentum going into halftime. You get a whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, you get points on the board before going into half. You go up into halftime instead of being tied at ten. And I literally said to to my family because I was watching with them, and I was like, "Watch, let's see if in the end of the game that play comes back to bite them." And we don't know if they would have scored, but as you mentioned, it you'd like to at least give your offense a chance. 
And I felt like, especially in the second half, again, the run game has been strong for the 49ers. It's, it's been successful for them in the past. But you got to have, you need everybody on board. And to have Jimmy Garoppolo not really be a presence in the offense, and then at the end of the first half, the the no, not having a, an attempt to even try to score, it did seem scared at times. Which is a perfect segue into my next question. <laughs> um, of course, Kyle Shanahan's age has been talked about time and time again. He's only 40 years old. He's Kyle. He's not coach. He's not coach Shanahan. He's just Kyle. And that's been something that's been a, a, a strength of the 49ers. They're close with him. They're close to the team. It's like a family. It's like a brotherhood. But, I mean, looking at this, do you feel like at times Andy Reid's been in this position? And we can look back on the last time he was in the Super Bowl and, and blew it and see that he's learned from it. I know a lot of us Eagles fans have not forgotten. Um, but do you think maybe in, the, in a sense this was – we've got an, a veteran here that's been that's been here before – that's had made these mistakes that now is playing more aggressive offensively than he had in the past in the Super Bowl versus Kyle Shannon, who seemed like he was a little scared that there was some coaching that even was a big decision, like a big uh, game changer, I guess you can say here. Yeah, I mean, it, and obviously you look with Shanahan, he was in the Super Bowl as the offensive yeah. coordinator three years ago and saw his team go out to a 28-3 lead. And he, in that situation, kind of stayed aggressive. And it backfired. So you just wonder, was that aggressive nature that he took then? And that was with a quarterback in Matt Ryan, who was an MVP. He had he had a true number one wide receiver in Julio Jones. You know, he doesn't have the, that same quarterback wide receiver combination here with the 49ers. But, um, you know, he he will say that he's just going to he coaches the way he coaches. And and he'll probably tell you that that, you know, that wasn't an impact. But I mean, you saw he was accused of being over aggressive in that Super Bowl. And then now the the talk in this one is that he was he was too conservative. So uh, you wonder if there was some course correction there. Um, but I mean, hey, he's forty years old. Yeah. He has been a play caller now in two Super Bowls. That's pretty good experience to build off of. If you look at the way this 49ers team is constructed, um, if, if they can keep this together, uh, you, there's no guarantees that they're going to be able to go on another run and get back to another Super Bowl just because. You know, the, the windows in the NFL shut quickly, but um, you got to you gotta imagine that, hey, this is another learning opportunity, and with Garoppolo locked up for a few more years, if he can, you know, he he's 28, and so you kind of, at this point, want him to start taking that next step, but this was the first time that he's been a, a starter for a full season, um, so I think the Niners' hope is that they can get him maybe a, a few more weapons there on the, on the outside. Um, and can continue growing and continue building this defense and um, and they can get back in this position again and, and they can hope for something a little bit different to happen. Uh, but I mean, Kyle is, is getting experience now. He's mm. uh, he's he's now experienced two heartbreaks. And uh, until he can get over the hump and, and win the Super Bowl, uh, I think these two heartbreaks right now are going to define him a little bit. Yeah, and unfortunately, a few years back is still one of the biggest sports <laughs> and he's on the wrong side of history, but yeah. one of the biggest sports upsets, losses, championship, blown leads, all the categories. It's there and it's a constant reminder. So, yeah, you wonder how much of that played a factor into it. And we'll, we'll never know. Of course, it's easy for us now that the game's over to say what should have happened. But in the moment, because I was even thinking that in some of these these clutch crunch time moments, like, what do you do? There's so much pressure and once we know what didn't work, it's easier for us to say what should have been done, but eh, you never know. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm interested to see, as you mentioned, with 
the future that of what's next, how these, how the 49ers respond. And that's my next question to you is, you know, if you're the 49ers and you're going back, to, of course, there's no guarantee of getting back next year, but you got to the Super Bowl, had a tremendous season. What do you do from here to kind of fill in in the gaps and strengthen up your team for next year? Because it's a very solid core group. They've got veterans and Richard Sherman. They've got a tremendously talented rookie class. They've got, you know, all the pieces there. Kyle is a tremendous, he's a great coach. You can't overlook what he's done for the 49ers. So what do you think they need to do to rebuild to be even stronger next year? I know I mean, we're I think, very far ahead right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that they probably need is they need, they need you know, somewhat their, their poor man's version, whatever. They need something that can simulate a, a Tyreek Hill type. Um, just that he's mm-hmm. a guy, a guy that, you know, this is kind of who they hope Dante Pettis would be at one point. Um, somebody that, you know, they've got some, some good receiving options. Debo Samuel obviously had a really good rookie year. Um, I, I don't know that Emmanuel Sanders will be back in free agency, uh, but uh, they, they need somebody that can really stretch the field for them vertically because uh you know, when teams decide that they want to really focus on taking away George Kittle, you know, they, they can at least limit the damage that he can do. Um, and, I mean, you see the, what the Chiefs are, have in, in having a guy like Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hartman. They have guys that can just – they can run four vertical routes and have guys that can just burn your defense um, mm-hmm. all day long. And, and I think, uh, you know, Garoppolo, they, they kind of go a little bit conservative with the game plans and whatnot, but we've seen when they have asked him to throw the ball deep, he is a pretty good deep ball thrower. So I think if they could find a way, um, you know, it's a, the, the upcoming draft is really deep in the receiver. If they can find a, that kind of burner, um, you know, in their late first round pick uh, might be a way to, to kind of give Garoppolo that extra weapon that would make this offense a little bit more dynamic because uh, Kyle can scheme up some, you know, he can scheme up an offense uh, in the passing game, the running game. Um, if you give him that one more weapon, a guy who can go deep on you at any time, any minute, uh, I think that's probably the, the next step in this offense. And uh, it can, can be the, the thing that can make this team uh, a little bit more dynamic and dangerous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the beauty of it is that you do have the opportunity to learn from this. You know, they do have a number of guys that hopefully you never know what's going to happen in the offseason. We'll be back. But um, more importantly, it kind of shows you that you're right there. You just need to fine-tune some things. It's not as drastic as maybe some other teams that need to do a full overhaul. Um, But for the Chiefs, we did also see Chris Jones also was saying yesterday, or Sunday, I should say, uh, we'll be back. You know, we're coming back for a repeat. And I know everyone always says that. There's no guarantee you'll be back. Of course, the Patriots always manage to find a way back. But there's never any guarantee to get back. For the Kansas City Chiefs to repeat as Super Bowl champs, you know, I, they obviously have overcome their a number of hurdles, deficits, score deficits, injuries, whatever it may be. But what's it going to take for them to really get back to this spot and truly actually repeat, in your opinion? I mean, I think they're in a great position just because, I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes is a guy that can can really wipe away any deficit. I mean, they, <laughs> they have those. If if they, I mean, if they stay healthy, um, there's no reason they shouldn't be, you know, right back in the mix, um, you know, for the next several years, you would think. And I mean, there were possibly entering a period where um, the AFC, you know, doesn't necessarily run through the Patriots anymore. If Tom Brady were to to leave New England, um, even if he doesn't, uh, you know, you saw the the cracks in their team uh, coming apart a little bit this year. 
I, you feel like Mahomes is probably destined to be the guy that for the next 10 years is, is the, you know, maybe even longer is the quarterback that you fear more than any el- anybody else in the AFC. Um, you know, it's going to be fun to, to kind of see him and uh, Lamar Jackson go at it, uh, you know, every, every year probably those are going to be, you know, first place teams that are going to be beaten every year in, in some big matchups. And it feels like we're, we're sitting in a, in a period where the next three, four years is going to be the Chiefs and the Ravens as uh, as the two dominant teams in the AFC, which um, yeah, should be some fun games. I, I had, you know, I kind of wish we could have uh, could have seen that as the AFC championship game this year. That was a little bit disappointing that uh, the Ravens went out early and we didn't get that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think as long as the Chiefs stay healthy, I mean, I think they opened up as, as already the uh, the betting favorites to win the title again next year. Um, they they're just so well positioned with such that such a dynamic offense and uh, and a defense that uh, I mean, Chris Jones is a up is a free agent and a lot of teams will be going after him. I don't know if they'll be able to keep him, but uh, as long as like I said, as long as they can be competent on defense, they don't have to be you know they don't have to be great. They just need to be competent with as good as that offense is. Yes, that's. Oh, I know. I was. I kept thinking after the Ravens got knocked out, you know, thinking what would that Chiefs Ravens game be like? And I was, I was anticipating that as well, thinking it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be two of the best quarterbacks. But I think what you, what you say in the big picture is really what we're seeing moving forward. Is that it's, it's a change in the league right now. It's no longer Tom Brady and the Patriots at the top of the league, and everyone else trying to keep up. You know, we've got the next generation, and they're here. You know, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson, you know, these quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks that under 25 age group is a force to be reckoned with. And it's exciting because there is now going to be a new fight, especially in the AFC. The Ravens and Chiefs, if all, as you mentioned, if all goes well, we can never predict. We don't know what the future is going to hold injury wise, trades, whatever else. Um, If everybody continues on the the path they're on right now, it's going to be fun to watch for a few years. So I am excited for it. And I definitely want to know, you know, everyone looks forward to the Super Bowl for many different reasons. Your most exciting or your favorite moment from the Super Bowl? Curious to know. Hmm. Um, you <laughs> it doesn't know, have to be I, just football. It could be a commercial, I tend to tune out mostly during the commercials. Like <laughs> I, that, that, that's the time to like scroll through Twitter and stuff and uh, try to try to pay attention a little bit. But um, no, I mean honestly, I I think I I think seeing Andy Reid after just uh, mm-hmm. you know get getting to see him celebrate just you know when when you see a coach that's been at it for that long and um, kind of has that monkey on his back and I think you know win or lose I think he's a Hall of Fame coach he's been so good for so long but um, I, I think getting to see him enjoy that moment uh, that that that's always pretty cool and 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 you know him and Mahomes the two I, I mean Mahomes is probably my my favorite player in the league to watch he's just been. Um, been, been so fun ever since he he stormed into this league. He just he the way he plays and just the his the kind of the, the guy he is on and off the field. Um, those are two guys that if you're just a, a football fan and, and not a diehard of any particular team, it's hard not to to root for both of those guys. So I think getting to see them enjoy that moment uh, was pretty special. Yeah, I. I agree. I, it's always exciting to see someone new be able to win a win a Super Bowl or any championship in any sport, especially when it's someone like Andy Reid, who you know all he's been through over the years, on and off the field, to see him be able to have that moment. His wife is there. The team is They're saying this was for Andy. It's, that is, it's so touching and so great to see. 
But, uh, you know, there are a lot of good moments. I also tune out during commercials, or I try to watch the commercials, but I find myself like, when am I supposed to tune out? Because I watch the game closely, and I watch the commercials, and the halftime show. I'm like, when can I get food, or go to the bathroom, or check Twitter? But that that, um, next 100 commercial at the beginning of the game gave me chills. Yeah, yeah, that that, that field. I was screaming. (laughs) Yeah, that one was really cool. That was uh, they they did a good job with that, and then uh, then I kind of went back and and read uh, read the backstory of uh, of of the kid that was involved in that. Uh, One guy I know uh, that works for ESPN had done a back had done a story on him two years ago. That you know he as him as this next big recruit at like ten years old getting scholarship offers. So uh, be kind of cool. Yeah, so it'd be kind of cool to. He, he's uh, he, he's a kid that's uh, been been kind of getting tracked as a, as a football player for a while. So it'd actually be kind of cool to follow his story and see uh, see where he ends up. And I mean, just just thinking ahead. I mean, w- imagine if ten years from now we're watching that kid who everybody remembers as oh. oh that kid from the commercial. Uh, it'll it'll be kind of fun to, to to maybe ten years from now uh, think back and like, hey, that look at that kid playing in the Super Bowl. So um, we'll uh, we'll have to kind of follow his career I, I don't i forget his name off the top of my head but uh but yeah it'll be uh be pretty cool to see uh see what uh what his his career ends up being like after that wow then i'm sure his name at some point will be a household name right now he's the kid from the super bowl commercial but <laughs> the next one on the commercial i had maxwell no idea bunchy and i was young. what's maxwell it bunchy, maxwell bunchy young that's his, uh, that's his name, name that's like unique yeah and, yep as has a nickname bunchy <laughs> Oh my goodness, he's all set. I was yep. watching him run through the commercial and I'm like, huh, wait a minute. This is like this isn't a stunt double. He's actually doing this. He actually and I was thinking in my head, like, where'd they get this kid from? He's he's he looks really fast to me. Oh yeah. my goodness, that's incredible. And you know what? Even watching that, they had uh Carly Lloyd was kicking. They had so they had female kickers, they had the next group of kids. I'm like, all these different things. Oh, I love it. It's incredible. And then the halftime show is great, but yeah. <laughs> not sure if you're a Shakira and J-Lo fan, but I was screaming, going crazy watching that too. So yeah, that, was, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved it because uh, Giannis from the Milwaukee Bucks shifting into <laughs> basketball. I don't know if you saw his tweet. He was like, yes, that, I that did. Show was I almost got in trouble. <laughs> I was like, I think that halftime show almost got a lot of people into trouble. <laughs> they, are, they are beautiful. They're 43 and 50. They don't even look it. They're still dancing and singing and moving like they're in their 20s. I was just watching In Living Color earlier that day, not to sidebar. And I was like, J-Lo! And so watching her later, that was a 93 episode. And here we are in 2020. I'm like, she looks prettier now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I hope you all can age like that. But... Jimmy Durkin, thank you so much for joining the show. Where can our listeners follow you on social media to keep up with all your work with The Athletic? Yeah, I'm at Jimmy underscore Durkin, uh, D-U-R-K-I-N. Perfect. It's been a pleasure having you here on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I'm so glad that you were able to join us to recap the Super Bowl. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did, and thanks for joining us. All right, thanks a lot for having me. Just a reminder, for some reason you forgot, at the end of episode 26 this week, we have Christopher Malloy, a.k.a. C. Malloy, a.k.a. Mr. Captain Hooks, closing down the show. The Jersey native got his music career started in church at the age of five years old. My goodness. Singing gospel music. 
he grew up inspired by some of the greatest musicians, Al Green, Luther Vandross, Sam Cooke, Music Soul Child, Patti LaBelle, the list goes on and on. He is a tremendous R&B singer. And as he gets older, he continues to just expand and grow in new directions, singing more than just R&B music. His creativity, the way he performs, the passion he brings to his music is exactly why he is Mr. Captain Hooks, because he'll hook you from the opening beat. So he is closing down this week's edition of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I hope you guys give him a follow on social media at Mr. Captain Hooks. And also subscribe to all of his music across all streaming platforms. That's Mr. Captain Hooks closing down the show. All right, let's get back to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington right here on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM. What's up, everyone? Renee Washington here, and thank you so much for being tuned in to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, right here on Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Hit that subscribe button and be sure to follow the show every Wednesday for a new episode starting at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Back to the show. Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. This week, we have Elise LaHue joining us, General Manager of Sky Blue FC in the NWSL. Elise, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem. I'm always looking forward to having people on to talk about not only soccer, but the growth of women's sports in general. So for you, I came across your page and information. I was like, perfect. I definitely... Need to have you on my show, <laughs> so I'm happy to I have you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've been uh, pretty integrated in the women's sports space. I think that's my, my cup of tea, so I'm always always down to chat about women's sports. Perfect, perfect. Let's, let's get right into it. So you have been a part of the, the excitement that's going on, that was just going on this past week or so, as we had the NWSL draft, and it's always an exciting conference when – all the soccer minds get to come together for the draft, for sessions, panels, and everything else, whether it's a professional or college, high school, just soccer fans in general all come together. So take us through the draft as a whole, the experience, you know, beyond the specific draft picks and everything and all the tremendous women that now have the chance to continue their career at the professional level. But for you, you know, what did you see as we're talking about the growth of the game as a big topic in women's soccer? Yeah, I mean, the, the draft was, was on Thursday during the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Um, so I, I get in actually on Monday night. We have league meetings while we're there. I'm also on the Women's Advocacy Council for United Soccer Coaches. So I kind of have double duty while I'm there between, uh, you know, some of the NWSL stuff going on and then also my work with Soccer Coaches and the Advocacy Council. So um, with the draft on Thursday, it's sort of, um, you know, the major thing that's going on for me. But on top of it, when you have all these meetings and it's really one of the major times of the year that everybody in the league is together. And then on top of it, you basically have everybody else in the soccer world and old acquaintances and professional acquaintances. And uh, it's uh, not a lot of sleeping. Uh, it's just a, a hectic week to get through. Um, it's it's incredible. There's just so much that, that gets accomplished during the week. I had an opportunity to hop on a couple other podcasts while I was out there, obviously, um, you know, meet up with a lot of acquaintances and friends. Um, all in all, just an incredible week. And then obviously the draft um, is really the exclamation point in the middle of all of it. And we have been pretty hard at work 
leading up to the draft, I mean, that's that's months of work behind the scenes for us. And obviously with the draft shortly after the holidays, you don't take much of a holiday break. You're really kind of working through it and making sure that you've got everything planned and prepped. But as I've said to some others, you, you have to remain nimble to the process because there is so much that comes up um, along the way in terms of trades and trade opportunities. So, you know, we, we go in with a plan, but uh, we remain open-minded to whatever else comes up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So getting into your role specifically, something that really stood out to me when you were named the GM of Sky Blue back in September is that you're only one of two women that are general managers in the NWSL and that you became the first woman, congratulations on this, to serve as GM in the WPS and the NWSL. And so something that I know I've been talking a lot about as an advocate for the growth of women's sports across all sports, you know, you're, you're a woman in a position of power, you know, that's something that we need more of, you know, so as you were named GM, and now you're trying to grow not only Sky Blue, but just the game in general, you know, what's really been your focus in that position to help pull other women up and also to help, as you talk about being an advocate, to, to do that work in, in the community? Yeah, I like, I like the way you introed that, a woman in power. That was a, a great way to segue into that, and it sounds awesome. Um, you know, for me, I, I had always wanted to be a GM. So when I had the opportunity um, you know, several years ago now um, uh, to step into this role, um, you know, for me, that that was my dream. It's what I wanted to do. I, I wasn't really concerned with, you know, were there other women doing the role or, or were men? You know, it wasn't something that I really was thinking about. For me, I was just hell-bent on becoming a general manager. Um, I was lucky during the last league to actually um, mentor under uh, a woman GM, Marsha McDermott, um, who's actually the technical advisor now for Sky Blue. So I'm lucky enough that I get to continue working with her throughout my career. Um, But I did work in in WPS during the last league. Um, I became a a GM actually of of the Chicago team in this league, um, in NWSL. So um, I think I'm going on my maybe sixth or seventh year of being a GM. I've lost track at this point, but um, you know, so I have a lot of experience within the league and across multiple teams. And, um, you know, I, I take the role, obviously for me, it's a, a tremendous privilege to get to take this role on. I think just having the opportunity to work in a women's professional soccer league, knowing that two previous pro leagues in this country failed. Um, and, and I was, you know, in one of them, I had to live through that. It was horrible for you know, for a young person that was aspiring to be a GM and then you learn that your league is folding and the dreams kind of crushed at that point. It was pretty devastating for me when we went through that. Um, so with this new league coming about uh, and NWSL, um, obviously I took the opportunity to leap back at it and, you know, very quickly got to become a GM, which was always, again, my, my dream in life. So, you know, I, I don't take any of this for granted. It's um, every single day I feel really blessed to be in this role and I feel like, this is a really important role. You know, every one of us that are working within this league, all of the fans, we all have a responsibility to make sure that our women's leagues keep going. These, these women's pro leagues, I don't want to see any of, uh, you know, any further leagues fail um, and certainly not this one. So I take that responsibility really seriously, but you know, then on the other side, there's really only uh, as of right now, Stephanie Lee with the Utah Royals, she's the only other uh, woman GM in the league right now. So out of nine teams, there's only two of us. Um, and I'd like to see those statistics start to change a bit. Um, I think we can do better as a league with getting more women into some of these high-level roles. So, you know, I hope I can be an advocate for that and certainly inspire others to come up into these positions. Yes, absolutely. I hope so, too. I mean, it's time. And I know, 
that's something that across all women's sports with the WNBA just having their CBA that that was announced and and as we see the women's soccer players specifically around the national team really advocating for for change whether it's in salary or just in positions of power like yourself that is something it's, it's time it's 2020 it's time for that to happen and for us to start seeing some things moving that direction but you also touch on yeah. being a part of two leagues and and joining this league as you were weary coming into it in a sense because you did see what happened with the previous two as they folded what makes the nwsl though so so different the formula for success as they're continuing to get into the next season of 2020 different than what you saw with specifically the WPS since you worked closely with that? Yeah, I mean, again, WPS was only three seasons and, and the predecessor to that, WUSA, was only three seasons. So right. this is pretty exciting to have NWSL now as we're embarking on year eight. I mean, we, we're in un, uncharted waters now <laughs> in terms of, you know, women's pro soccer in this country. Um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a fan of women's sports. I've always followed the WNBA, and I was really lucky that I, I called my gap year, but I had an opportunity to go work in the WNBA for a year. I was with the Seattle Storm a couple of years ago. And for me, it was really about taking as much in as I possibly could. And I loved working for the Storm. They have their all-women ownership group. Most of all, honest, the team president there. Got to work under her as well. So um, seeing what they did and having all of these women in positions of power was really incredible for me to see. But it was also about learning from the WNBA because they've been around for over 20 years. And I think there are so many things that we can take from them as well. So, um, you know, I, I call it cross-pollination, but I think it's so important that we learn from each other and not sit in our silos, especially as women's sports. It's cool to see us start to support each other more, do more co-promotions together. So I think that's a really important part of the process as well. Um, but again, we're in uncharted territory right now and entering year eight. What I have seen from this league is, is a dramatic recommitment from the owners just over the last couple months. Um, for lack of a better term, they've been calling it NWSL 2.0, but they recently committed to increasing the salaries across the board for players from the minimum salary even to the max salary and adding even allocation money where you can potentially go beyond the max salary as well for um, players that reach a certain criteria. Um, increasing the housing standards for players. So now housing is provided year-round for players, any contracted players, which is incredible um, for their quality of life and not having to worry about moving in and out of market. Um, so I think along with, you know, the way we've seen the WNBA, CBA come about, you know, NWSL as well has taken some pretty big leaps um, in terms of increasing the standard. And I'll, I'll continue to be an advocate as well for, um, pushing the league forward in, in all of those regards. What what more can we do for the players? How can we provide for them better? How can we really provide them the best professional environments that we can while also remaining a sustainable league, which obviously is important that we make sure it sticks around for a long time to come. Yes, yeah, without a doubt. So as you talk about the NWSL getting into year eight, I know for me personally, this is a, a conversation that's always intriguing to me to hear about the growth of the leagues and when I came out of college in 2014 and was going through the process of transitioning and had the opportunity to possibly play with Sky Blue, they didn't have these same opportunities that you speak about. You know, that was something that as I took a step away from the game and was now and mm -hmm. becoming a reporter to follow it and see the way that it's growing, I, I can definitely see that from, from the outside looking in. So I guess my next question to you would be specifically looking at Sky Blue you know, as you are coming in to, to change and, and grow the franchise, you know, what's really, what have you seen between the draft and, and the players, 
because you know last year to, to next year what are you really trying to improve on and, and hope to build in terms of the foundation and legacy you're bringing to sky blue yeah you know i think i, I came in as the interim gm last april and that was really a, a time of great transition for the club i you know sort of inherited the club as it was going through a really challenging phase um and, and i'm not scared of a challenge I, again I've, I've been around the league for quite a while um and and i i sort of believe what I believe in my approach to, to leadership and, and the way I try to lead. And I have a really fan first focus. So I felt like as a club, you know, this is Sky Blue is the representative of New Jersey and New York in New York City. This should be a preeminent club within the NWSL, but also really within, you know, the world women's soccer. Um, New York City is a, is a destination. We should be able to attract international players as well. But obviously, we're we're starting at home, and we've got to improve everything across the board. So, um, you know, one of our owners who had really been silent before, Tammy Murphy, she came on at the same time I did, and, and for us, it was really just kind of flipping the club upside down and saying, okay, what what needs to be done here? What things do we need to change? And and really taking a fine tooth comb across all of operations and figuring out how we can improve things for the players, for the fans, um, and, and really just grow the club as a whole. And we've had a pretty extraordinary vision along the way. And it's hard to believe sometimes that, that she and I really have been doing this for less than a year now um, at Sky Blue. But I, I think we've, we've made a lot of strides in the meantime, uh, a lot of changes in the club. Obviously, moving to Red Bull Arena is huge for us. You know, we're looking to move our, our training facility. That's going to be announced soon. Um, really moving all of our club operations to, to northern Jersey, which puts us right outside New York City. Um, and our proximity to fans there is going to be so much greater um, as well, and, and we're excited for that opportunity. So you know, there's really nothing within the club that hasn't been um, looked at with a microscope and, and that we've we've made changes on. And, and our plan is going to continue. You know, we still have a, a lot of big plans to achieve along the way, and um, both on and off the field. But, uh, you know, the one thing I will say is that seeing the excitement from players, I think that's that's a big one for me, um, as well as the fans, about the direction of the club and where it's going. It's, it's their feedback that really matters the most to me. So, you know, when we have players that have been with the club for several years that, you know, are texting me or the head coach Freya and saying, you know, this is the most excited they've been going into a preseason, you know, really since they've been at the club. I think those are the things that mean a lot to me and say that we're on the right track here. Wow, it's, it's like you read my mind because that's actually the direction I was going to go next. I know once I heard news about Red Bulls Arena officially becoming home for, for you guys moving forward in 2020, and I've been seeing how things have been unraveling. You know, I on this show, we actually had Gina Lewandowski and Jen Hui on the show um, back in the fall, and they were talking about, you know, the, the way the team was still sticking together through the challenging phase and figuring things out and finding out their identity. So it is great to hear and encouraging to hear not only the as we talk about the NWSL, but also specifically with Sky Blue, with soccer being so huge in New Jersey and New York and so many talented players coming out of the area, the direction that things are moving. So that's that's tremendous. And mm -hmm. I'm excited to see it as well. But I'm also curious to know, as you mentioned, the feedback that you've been getting, you know, the part mm -hmm. of it that that I've been talking to people about is as we continue to grow the game also getting fans involved and getting more people at games and following the team and connecting with players, you know? So, you know, what's that feedback like that you've been getting from, as you talk about the players, but even the fans as they've been watching everything continue to develop from the outside looking in. 
Yeah, I think it's just a general feeling of excitement. You know, we it was important for me sort of to, I would say, put the club back in the fans' hands. Um, that, you know, they're they're the most important part of this equation. I always say us as a front office staff, we're just in a role of privilege and, and we're just conduits to the experience. Um, but it's really about the fan. And, and I want them to know that Sky Blue is their club and that they have a say in what's happening and, and in what direction it goes. And, and again, just sort of putting it back in the hands of the community is, is so integral. And obviously part of that is, is the fan experience when they come to a game day, but it's also all the things we do you know, we only have 12 home games, so it's it's what we do the other um, other days of the year, um, year round, and in the off season, uh, the ways we're engaging fans and the things we're doing, and you know, we want to make sure that we continue to engage with you know our families and our youth clubs and and those youth soccer players who have really been our bread and butter through the years, but also with playing at Red Bull Arena, it, it allows us to really attract another segment of adult fan. You know, those those adults that live in New Jer- North New Jersey, that live in New York City, that don't have a car, now they can use public transportation to get to our games, where really that was nearly impossible before. So we have a whole new segment, I think, of fan that we can really engage in the process. And, you know, just recently we did our first ever, uh, we called it our adult fantasy camp, but it was essentially a, a one-day adult soccer camp, and some of our players actually were the coaches and they ran it. Um, tons of great feedback on that. So I, I feel like we're really, again, on the right track with everything. Feedback has been really good. And, and for us, it's just making sure that we, we spread out as much as we can and, and really try to um, provide ways for um, all of our diverse fan base um, opportunities to get involved with the club. Oh, that is tremendous. That is, that was perfect. That was beautiful. I love that. And I'm excited to see how this continues to to grow because it is time for Soccer to for first of all our women's leagues to be here to stay as you talk about getting into year eight we need many more years to come and then also to give our the next generation something to look forward to and aspire to to want to be an NWSL player you know like the players they get to watch in their area so Elise where can our listeners follow you to keep up with all that you're doing in soccer from your nonprofit work to your Sky Blue and and the NWSL and all that you've got going on on the soccer forefront. Yeah, I'm probably most communicative on Twitter. Um, I, I really try to be fan forward, so um, I try to answer as many questions as I can, and I consider myself, uh, you know, one of the most accessible GMs. Uh, I try to, to be there and answer questions. So Twitter uh, is just at A. LaHue, first initial, last name. Um, also on Instagram, but that's uh, honestly probably more photos of my cat than anything. So um, <laughs> less engaging on there. But um, yeah, Twitter and Instagram are, are the two ways that I probably um, engage the most with fans. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking time to join us this week on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. It is a, it's a fresh of breath air to be able to have this conversation with you and hear all that you've got going on behind the scenes to make the game and grow the game even more. So thank you. I've, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, this has it's been awesome. And I wanted to say to you, Renee, I, I remember when you had a uh, um, you mentioned one of our players, Gina Lewandowski, was on your show and actually had listened to the podcast, and it sparked some really great discussions between me and her about her experiences at Bayern. Um, and, and I actually have to thank you for that podcast because we talked a lot about um, medical and some of the things that she had when she was playing in Europe. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm learning and growing, and I'm also trying to figure out the best way that we can uh, provide for our athletes. So it sparked some really great conversations um, and some actually actionable items uh, for me that I'm going to take into the season. 
Oh my gosh. No, you just made my, I'm like beaming right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, no, I, I mean it. It was oh, really great. So I think awesome. any, anytime you can, uh, you know, spark conversations between people, I think that's uh, pretty tremendous. So I got to thank you for that. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and that's my hope is that people listen to this and it triggers and sparks something positive. So, wow, that means, that means the world. I really appreciate that. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Renee. It is officially the month of February, if for some reason you forgot. But with that being said, not only are we celebrating Valentine's Day and President's Day this month, we are also celebrating Black History Month. So every day I will be sharing a different Black history fact on social media. The fact of the day will, will show off and highlight something that a different African-American man or woman has done in music, sports, art, entertainment, you name it, I'm sharing it. Trying to help you guys stay connected to Black history as we celebrate this month. So be sure to give us a follow on all social media. Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I also have my personal pages at Renee P. Wash on Twitter, at Renee P. Washington on Facebook and Instagram. All right, it is time for our Positive Vibes Only segment. Perfect time to get into positive vibes, impacting, influencing, trailblazing, as we are just talking about Black History Month and the incredible people that have done that over the centuries. So now it is time to hear Speedo Mick and his story and all that he's doing over in London. This week in our Positive Vibes Only segment on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, we have Speedo Mick, a viral sensation for his work in London because he's an addiction and mental health survivor that's now advocating to give back to the community. Speedo Mick, welcome to the show. Hello, Renee. Thank you. So can you give our listeners a, some background on on why you even got started with these walks that you do? I mean, list, for anyone listening, he you do incredible walks, thousand mile walks. I mean, you are out in a speedo, <laughs> not yes. even fully dressed. It's not like you're, you know, in, in, yo- in jogging clothes or anything. In a speedo, and and what grabbed my attention was you're just in a speedo, a scarf, and Everton gear, and you're walking. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, um, those fans the speedos are concerned. I uh, when you swim the English Channel. You uh, or you're attempting to swim the English Channel. You there's a there's a little clause in there, which I didn't see after I I booked the boat to swim the English Channel, uh, and to you know for for two years time. So we had to do the training for two years, before, and then uh, I, when I read up on the rules, it said that you, you had to wear a pair of speedos that were, oh not a pair of speedos. Your garments has to be one pair of goggles, one swimming cap, and one um, one uh, garment that was above the groin. And I said, what does that mean, above the groin? And he went, it means a pair of speedos. So I had to then begin to, uh, of course, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not putting a pair of speedos on. That was my initial reaction to uh, <laughs> 
it to, to that little rule. And uh, I'd rather just let the £1,000 that I put down on the boat, I'd rather just wipe my mouth and just let it go. But, you know, eventually I got over myself and I, I got myself a pair of speedos. It took me about a year to get used to wearing them, running in and out of ponds, a little bit embarrassed. But um, after I swam the English Channel, I was lucky enough to do that. I, uh, I then went to my hometown of Liverpool. I support the Everton Football Club. That's the blue side in Merseyside. And uh, I went there in my speedos, my goggles and my hat in order to celebrate the fact that I'd swam the English Channel. Now, I hadn't uh, raised because I swam the, when I swam the English Channel, uh, I I was a thousand pounds short of raising uh, fundraising for the Simon community, which was a homeless charity in London, and uh, so people were giving me money. You know, they said, "What you know? What are you doing?" I said, "Oh, I swam the English Channel." So they started to give me money. So I thought, "I'm going to go back." So I went back there. The stewards threw me out. You know, you can't do that here, you can't do that. But all the fans were all applauding and they were all handing money over. And, and I thought, all right, I want to go back there next week. So I went, I went a couple of weeks later and I'd done the same again for 10, for 10 minutes uh, in my speedos before the, the, the security come over and chucked me out again. And <laughs> but So I, that continued until Everton Football Club just let me do it in the end. And uh, in that way, because I was a thousand pounds short of my fundraising uh, target for, for the homeless charity, I raised a thousand pounds then, but then it didn't stop. I carried on going to all the games, all the Everton games, home and away, in the speedos, my goggles, and my hat, raising, uh, raising money for all kinds of charities right across the country then. So that's how it began. Wow. And it's incredible to see how it's evolved. You talk about starting from where you were just trying to swim the English Channel to now, you know, you are you are involved in so many different fundraisers. And as you mentioned, you're working in a lot of different areas. It's not like you're just fighting for one cause. You're fighting for, you know, poverty and homelessness and mental health and addiction. You know, you are, you're working in so many different areas. So what really motivated you to even want to do all of that? I mean, a lot of people would have just done the swim and and that be it. But here you are. You've expanded. You have a great following. You know you're encouraging people to also get involved. Of course, anytime, Speedo Mick. So you're a survivor and an advocate. Can you tell us about your journey from swimming the English Channel to your charity walks that you do, walking thousands of miles? And then also, aside from just the work you're doing, spreading awareness, your tr- trademark blue speedo and scarf look. Well, there's a few there's a few reasons behind that, and one of the reasons, of course, is that it's just great to be able to give back. In the past, I haven't been able, I haven't been in the position to to do that. I was the person who needed the help for a long, long time, and now I've got my life back. I try my best to give back. So the thing is, it's, it's the giving, it's the giving back thing, and not being selfish or self-centered you just get you, you wake all the doors open your life opens your mind opens your, your, your horizons get wider when you start giving back and it's a, it's a really it was a really weird concept to me that giving back could um, could free me 
of my selfishness, do you know what I mean? And because uh, I was selfish, unknowingly, right. I was a self-centered, self-centered person because I was uh, living in self-pity, and um, I mean, I was mentally, I was mentally scarred as well, so I was living in a lot of pain, you know. But uh, the giving back process heals me of all that, and and I've. I've got right onto that onto that back, so that's why I love doing what I'm doing. It doesn't just give back to the community; it get, it gives me a lot of self esteem and all. Now, Speedo Mick, take us through how you went from being an addiction and mental health. Is- now, Speedo Mick, take us through how you went from your battle with an addiction and mental health illness to being such a huge advocate, helping others. In not just your community, but honestly, in the world. Yes, and that's great that you found that purpose. That yes. you know you're helping to to bring and give back to others while also building yourself up. Because a lot of times when people think about giving back or getting involved, you take you forget the fact that if you're not at your best as Speedomic, if you're not feeling your best, you can't be your best for someone else and help them out too. And that's you do true. talk about you're an, an addiction survivor. You know, so you've you've been you've had lows in life you, that you've overcome, and now through working with others, you're able to continue that process. That's absolutely. incredible. Yes, absolutely, and 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 it's true. It's the the word you used there was purpose, a purpose in life, and it it this thing that I'm doing, this giving back, this trying to help other people, really does feel like a you know a, a, my purpose right now. It really does. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just, I, I, I just love it, and I also love, I love the challenges as well. I never, cha- I never challenged myself. I, I never challenged myself for years, man. I, I was, I was a fully grown adult before I started challenging myself. You know what I mean? Um, and now, you know, I'm, I'm, I've come out of addiction, homelessness, and you know, mental health. Obviously, I have mental health issues. I say obviously because um, drug addiction, alcoholism, it's hand in hand with mental health, you know. And as a child, I, I, I suffered as well, and I lived in I lived in in, in self pity for a long time and all. But I, I was unaware of how I was feeling. The fact I'd I'd, I'd gone back, and, you know, all that responsibility. I let it go. All the responsibility once the uh, the addiction took hold, you know what I mean, and that's when all the selfishness and um, and my self pity set in, and 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 the pointing finger at other people, blaming people. I had all that stuff going on that just kept me in a in a dark place, perpetually keeping me in the corner, isolated, mm-hmm. away from everybody. You know what I mean, and and not. Taking, not accepting any help as well. My pride was in the way there as well. You know, but, um, you know, that that's changed, obviously. That's completely changed. And now, now I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm part, of, I'm just part of the community. I've just become part of the community. That, that's what's happened, really. Wow. And, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me was that you are a survivor and that you are giving back to the community to help others that might be in a low spot as well. And when we, I feel like as a society right now, we are hearing a lot more people that are having the confidence to come forward and then others that are having the ability and confidence to want to support them. 
You know, talking about mental health is no longer something that's looked down upon. And, nope. and being, being, being able to, to speak up about your mental health issues or addiction issues, that's no longer anything that we're, you know, looking down upon people for. So for you as someone that's gone through it and that's now giving back, what would be your message for someone that's dealing with their own low point in life, whether it's addiction, financial struggles, homelessness, you know, just and, or relationship struggles, ha- having gone through mental health issues, having gone through your own battles as well in your life? Well, well first of all, what I'd say is, uh, is to ask for help. You know what I mean? I mean, asking for help was, uh, was sort of frowned upon. You know what I mean? Not frowned upon, but it was, you know, it, 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 people that um, thought it was being weak. But you've got, you've got to be able to ask for help because I, I, I know now that I can't, I thought for, for years, for 36 years, I thought that I could do it on my own. And <laughs> even though wow. I was sitting on the street without a roof over my head, without any food to be, uh, any money in my pocket or you know, any clean clothes on, I still thought I had I had the best ideas in the world and, and, and my way was the, was the best way. And it was only the, the, the day I said, and I didn't know this at the time, but the day I accepted somebody's help was the day my, late, my life changed and the, the day that I accepted that my uh, my way of thinking wasn't, uh, wasn't the way to go. Mm-hmm. Was, when my uh, world changed. But you made a good point about, because I was just on the radio station in uh, in England the other day, and you made the point about um, being able to speak about this stuff now. You can speak about drug addiction, you can speak about alcoholism, you can speak about mental health, you can, you can talk about all manner of things now. And, and not so long ago, you had to hide all that stuff. You couldn't let anybody know about your, your secret past and all mm-hmm. that. It was, it was, a, all it was then was a source of shame. But now it's just a relief for everybody to just say, "This is, this is me. This is who I was. I've made me, I made me mistakes, or, or I need help." So you can do that now. You, you're totally correct. Things have changed in, in, um, right round the world as far as that's concerned. You can ask for help, and you can. Um, you can admit it to yourself as well and get help through it. Wow. And yeah. the, that's, I'm, I'm so happy that, first of all, congrats to you. And, and I'm happy that you were able to have that moment of clarity to realize that you needed help and to, to take the steps necessary to be able to get out of that position. But I, yeah. I know in the news as of late, we've been hearing, I mean, Delante West, the former NBA player, we've been hearing news about him who's struggling with, mental health issues and homelessness and and he's been in the news but we have been hearing this in society and in our news and what the incredible thing it's a it's a double-edged sword it's incredible in a um hopefully a way that people wake up and realize you're in london i'm in new jersey in the united states you're across the world and you're dealing with some of the same things that are going on so it's not like for anyone for a lot of people we have this stigma of what mental health issues and addiction and what that all looks like. There's no look. It doesn't, it doesn't, there's no discriminatory against race, you know, where you live, demographics, age, none of that. 
you know, and you talk about how long it took you to get out of that and how long you struggled with your mental health issues and addiction issues. So it is remarkable to hear that you overcame it, that you're giving back. And for anyone listening, a reminder that, you know, these things see no barriers. There's, there's no, nobody is exempt <laughs> from oh, it, regardless I, of where you live. Yeah, absolutely not. No, you're not, not, no one's exempt, exempt from it. I've seen the most beautifulest people succumb to, to, mm. you would just not believe people go, what, you know, Joan is, is on drugs. Do you know what I mean? Or John is, is on drugs. Or, or think you'll say, no, he's divorced because he's been drinking. And, and you can't believe it because they're beautiful people. Do you know what I mean? But it just, yeah. it doesn't have any distinction, man. It will take you down. It will take your family away from you. It will take you, it will take your soul away from you. It will take your dignity away from you. It will just take absolutely everything away from you. And it doesn't matter, like you said, where you come from. Whether you've got money, whether you haven't got money, whether you what 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 race you are, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It just like you said, it goes right across the board. But uh, that's changing now. The fight's on, and um, for people, because we're, we're able to say, see, this is the difference, and more people are getting help because of it. You can turn around and say, I need help. You know what I mean, or or you know. I've got an addiction problem or I've got an alcohol problem you know, or a relationship problem. Mm-hmm. You know, people stay in relationships. This is another thing. People stay in relationships and, and suffer when, when, you know, because they've got low self-esteem or, you know, but they're still getting, you know, they get still getting treated badly. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, there's, 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 there's so much things that are happening now that we can speak about that we couldn't. We had to hide it all. I put it underneath the carpet so no one can see it. You know what I mean? Don't mention it because it's a, you know it's a, it's not what you do. But that's all changed, man. That's all changed, and that's for the good. It really is. I mean, I still go to. I'm 18 years uh, clean and sober. Pardon? Congratulations on that. Yeah, not yet, not yet. In in February, in February, um, okay, eighteen years clean and sober. Then, and uh, but I still go back to to the NA and AA meet, meetings because that's how it works. You can only keep what you have by giving it away. And I didn't understand any of them con- concepts at all. In fact, all this what I'm doing originates from the NA and the AA meeting. This is where it's coming from. This is where I've started, I've, I'm living my life through them 12-step programmes. That's what's happening here. You know what I mean? And, um, and, it, and it really does work. Don't ask me how it, it works. Honestly, don't ask me how. All I know is if I practice what, what, you know, what, what, they, what they practice or follow in their footsteps, then just my, my life just seems to get a lot better and it enhances loads of other people's lives. So I still go to them meetings and I go to the meetings not just for myself, but to help, hopefully help somebody else who's just walking the door, who's got no hope whatsoever, or they mm-hmm. feel like they've got no hope of, of uh, getting clean or getting dry. Do you know what I mean? You, you walk in and you think, 
this is not going to work for me. I mean, you've been thinking the same thoughts and going through the same thought patterns for 36 years and changing that. See, that's, that's the difficult part because you've got to change the way you think. You've got to literally go right back to from the beginning. But even when you were a child and you've got to start reconnecting them wires because they're all messed up. All the signals and all, all the direction that you got or that I got when I was a child, they were they were wrong and they were all they were all the wrong things to do and say and and I just followed like you say, I never had any any um anyone really to look up to in you know what I mean? So yeah, anyway, I think I've sort of lost me pip there. <laughs> I've lost my pip, got into the flow there, and then I've lost it. It's all good. So, I mean, where can our listeners follow along with what you're doing? I know you're out. You do every time I talk to you. I feel like you're on, you're on a walk, um, <laughs> you're walking miles for fundraisers. Not just on a walk to clear your head. You're walking miles and miles, which is incredible. Um, so tell our listeners a little bit, a bit about that as well as where they can follow along with all your charitable work. All right. Well, I know there's quite a few um, people over, over over in the States who were already following me, especially the Everton fans, because I'm an Everton fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but my, my name is uh, Speedo Mich. Speedo Mich, that's... Uh, and you can, you can get me on, on the Twitter, the Instagram, or the Facebook. I mean, I'm in the midst now <laughs> of of walking from Johnny Groats, which is the one end of Scotland, to Land's End, which is the other side of England. Ooh. It's a, it's a thousand it's a thousand miles. It's in it's in I mean it's in the dead of winter, and I'm in I'm basically I'm in a pair of knickers. I'm in my egos, <laughs> 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 you know. So. I'm doing eight hours. I'm doing eight hours a day in the freezing cold, and uh, like I say, also I've got is me me hat, me 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 speedos, and me boots on. You know what I mean? So that's what we're doing now. But the fantastic thing about this is it's gone a little bit crazy in England because um, I'm all over the I'm, I'm all over the tellies, I'm all over the radio at the moment. Somebody's just donated. Fifty thousand pounds. Wow! Sure, but that that was added to the to the hundred thousand pound that we'd already raised. So it's now up to one hundred and fifty-four in five weeks. One hundred and fifty-four thousand pound. It's up to, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow! Yeah, so we've got another uh, three weeks to go to get to get to Land's End, and we're open. To raise two hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> pounds. Oh my! Well, you're all, you're all, a little over halfway there, so you're on the right track. Yeah, we're on the right track. Yeah, and it's going to be for it's it's going to be called Leave the Lights On, but it's not up and running just yet. But you can get if you if you go on to Leave the Lights On uk, you'll be able to see exactly what it's all about on the website there. And, and you can also donate on, on, on there, and you can donate on the page, which is Speedo Mix, 1,000-mile charity walk in the Shreddies, which means underpants, really. Wow. 
Beetle Nick, the man. Thank yeah, you so, so much for joining Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington this week. It has been a pleasure having you on and hearing about your journey. Again, I, I thank you for being open and sharing your struggles with mental health addiction and um, the, you know overcoming all of that mental health and your addiction, as well as just to talk about what you're doing now to give back. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, listen, thank you very much, Renee. And uh, nice speaking to you, America. What's up, everyone? Renee Washington here, and thank you so much for being tuned in to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington right here on Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Hit that subscribe button and be sure to follow the show every Wednesday for a new episode starting at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Back to the show. All right, everyone. It is already the end of another episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I cannot believe it, but I hope you have enjoyed it just as much as I have enjoyed sharing these stories with you and interviews with you. By now, you heard from Jimmy Durkin, the managing editor at the Athletic Bay Area. Out on the West Coast, he helped recap all the action that happened between the 49ers and Chiefs in the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl championship 11-point win on Sunday. And we broke it down from the halftime show with Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, who honestly are not aging. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. They're gorgeous. They're talented. We saw J-Lo bring her daughter out. We saw A-Rod watching and smiling, cheering them on. We oh, just amazing. We saw some incredible commercials, especially the New York Life commercial. Shout out to my brother, Mark, and sister, Carrie, that work with New York Life, who are proud to see their company represented as well as that next 100 commercial. That gave me chills, my goodness. And then who can forget all the action that happened on the field? Oh, some amazing plays on both sides of the ball as the Chiefs won that one. Then in our next segment, an interview with Elise LaHue, GM of Sky Blue FC. She talks about being a woman in a position of power, working in professional soccer, being a GM, all that she's doing to help grow the game, grow the sport, grow women's sports, the NWSL and its future, Sky Blue FC in the direction they're moving. I hope you give them a follow as we got to hear some things that we can expect this upcoming season for Sky Blue. And then our Positive Vibes Only segment, it was Speedo Mick. And Speedo Mick from London, he has overcome some tremendous, some, some tremendous challenges in his life and has battled mental health issues as well as addiction issues. He's overcome it, and he is today working to help spread awareness and be an advocate for others that are in the same battle. And I love what he is doing in London, a viral sensation for a good reason. It's always good to see someone that is going viral for all the right reasons. And he's out there in London and in the, the areas, communities around, whether it's doing thousands of miles on a charitable walk, swimming, Whatever it is, he's finding a way to help spread awareness and get other people involved, which is always a beautiful thing. So now it is time to get into our final piece of the show, our music. We've got Captain Hooks, Mr. Captain Hooks from Jersey, bringing you his latest song. And I hope you guys are ready for this one. Mr. Captain Hooks is someone that started out in gospel music, at the age of 17 and 18, transitioned into, into writing and making his own music. 
And now he's going to be closing the show. So before we do that, I just want to remind you guys to please give us a follow on all social media beyond the headlines that across is across all platforms. My own personal pages are two. And then if you haven't already, which I'm not sure why you would not have yet, be sure to subscribe to Beyond the Headlines also on all streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You can give us a follow, and that way you can be locked in every Wednesday starting at 12 p.m. Eastern time for a new episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. So I really hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. It's been a goodie. Lots of great conversation. And now it is time to close the show with Mr. Captain Hook's song, Not Over You. So have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the start of the month of February, the start of Black History Month. And I'll see you guys right back here next Wednesday on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Fox Sports 96.9 FM, 1340 AM. Have a great day. Try to be friends with you, but when it's just us two, I'm just not over you, not over you. To keep it real with you, no matter what we do, I'm just not over you, not over you. Cause you can't get over me, and I can't get over you. It's best if we're sober, see. I might bend you over, yeah To keep it real with you No matter what we do I'm just not over you Not over you Can't get over you Over you Securities. We say things sometimes that we cannot just take back So many feelings involved, never meant to hurt you like that If you love somebody, you should truly Treat them very special, because it's your duty Take good care of them, be honest and true, yeah Keep her right by your side, night and day I try to be friends with you, but when it's just us two I'm just not over you, not over you To keep it real with you, no matter what we do I'm just not over you, not over you Cause you can't get over me and I can't get over you It's best if we're sober, see I might bend you over, yeah To keep it real with you No matter what we do I'm just not over you Not over you Can't get over you Over you I'm just not over you